0: Danish and Confused Part 1, My Departure August 15th, 5am Alarm clock. My eyes open slowly, and I'm still in the IBIS budget hotel where I checked in the night before, right after my last gig. I look in front of me and see my sleepy boyfriend, equally annoyed at the piercing sound of that damn iPhone's default alarm setting. 5am. My train to the airport is in an hour. Part of me wants to turn around, go back to sleep, and forget about this whole moving to Denmark thing. Why would I want to go there anyway? It's flat, it's rainy, dark, and the language sounds like dogs barfing, to be honest. But eventually I managed to get out of that squeaky budget bed, into the claustrophobic budget shower and onto what should have been our budget breakfast, but was in fact expensive prison food. We take my two suitcases which hold my squished compact Danish survival package which is mostly tea and chocolate and off we go to the train station. My last trip to Scandinavia was to the small town of Järvso in Sweden last February, when the world was still a simpler, less paranoid, less mouth-masky place, and people weren't injecting disinfectant into their arms like brain-damaged heroin addicts. I was there to learn the singing style of kulning, which was used to call home the cattle and communicate over the mountains. It's basically screaming over a lake or a field. It's actually highly recommendable for anyone who's planning on staying sane in a world where Trump is president. After the few first tries where it just sounded like I was a deeply troubled boy going through puberty, it actually started to sound pretty cool. And on top of that, I felt mighty powerful. Leuven, 6am. We get on the train to the airport. Everything still more or less feels surreal. The train station is nearly empty and the city still seems to be sleeping, apart from a few early birds on their way to god knows where. And considering I will be saying goodbye in about an hour, I'm pretty much glued to my boyfriend the whole ride. Yes, this strong, independent, classic, blonde Belgian turns out to be shamelessly clingy. Even I was surprised. We get to Brussels airport and every step is heavier and heavier. Never did I imagine that the goodbye would actually overshadow the joy of the departure. When you tend to dream about better places and adventure, it's easy to leave the things that you want to leave behind out of the idyllic picture. You cannot expect the world to freeze until you return reverse object permanence. My loved ones will have grown when I return, and as will I. And when that moment of goodbye was finally there, all I could wish for was peace on the other side. My arrows are now pointed to a northern sky. Kiss me farewell.
1: Those are raised.
0: I am up in the air, on my way to Danish grounds, Copenhagen. The only two words that pop into my head when I hear Denmark are pastries and flatness, which pretty much sums up my life so far. So I'm guessing that I'll do pretty well over there. And in that vast wide plain, my nostalgia to the summer gone by makes place for some sort of optimism. Here, I am going to an almost sunless country, and people warned me about its sullen and sour inhabitants in the winter, and I dare talk about optimism. Crazy. Unthinkable. How? Maybe because, looking down at the mainland from this tiny square window, I find myself relieved to be leaving behind Belgium and its wrinkled policies, its paradoxical mindsets and laissez-faire yet uptight strategies. My low and careful nationalistic pride that was only upheld by my love for chocolate is now dumped out of the airplane like a small package with a tiny parachute. I won't need it where I'm going. Feelings of guilt and memories of problems evaporate in the strong wind as I move closer and closer to this strange Valhalla. I repeat its name like a mantra in my head. Copenhagen. 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 Thank you. This last song was Fly to Oslo by Chris Potter. It was the first song that I played with my jazz combo in my then new music school in Ghent three years ago. It seemed suitable to play it now because it started that chapter and it sort of ended this chapter as I flew to Copenhagen. It made sense in my head. You may have noticed that the previous songs were not Danish at all. I'm kind of working my way towards Denmark, I'm swimming in the waters around it. And so far we've had Sweden, with the cooling vocals of Susanna Rosenberg, and also Norway with Evo and Modi, who I have a selfie with, where I'm almost not visible because of his ginormous hair. And next up is, for no particular reason really, Iceland. In a parallel universe, I'd be travelling to the conservatory in Reykjavik, where I was also accepted. And this song is by ADHD, and it's called Flugzeug. And considering I'm on an airplane in my story, this is the ultimate segue. I might have been able to pull it off a little bit more elegantly, but I'm my own boss in this radio show, so fuck you. 2. My arrival. 11 a.m. Landed. I walk through the gates of this welcomingly calm airport, so calm that I'm expecting Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman, dressed in white, to await me at the exit with open arms, saying that I've reached the gates of heaven. Alas, no Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. Instead... A lot of tall people, tall, blonde people, tall, blonde, handsome people who look like they own a summer house by the sea. Spoiler alert, they all do. The arrival hall had the greatest silence, a still Danish sea of serenity, filled with people who have eyes that look like the Nordic sea itself. Everything is so clean. I pass by a trash can, which is oddly enough also insanely clean looking. And it welcomes me with a little sign saying, thank you for being here. No trash can in Belgium has ever uttered such a heartwarming message to me. Even sloppy people look like classy sloppy here. Imagine the amount of control you must have over your life to master the classy sloppy look, not to mention the Birkenstocks explosion. There must have been a point in history where the entire of Scandinavia agreed on wearing Birkenstocks, like the Treaty of Versailles, but then the Treaty of Birkenstocks or something. It's like the shoe made for the ultimate Nordic personality. The casual look of I might stop climate change today after I finish this cappuccino made of organic beans, or I might stay in bed and watch a murder mystery. Me and my secondhand shoes and the bags under my eyes, I felt out of place there. But I threw another glance at the friendly clean trash can and I thought to myself, I'm a girl in an airport, on my own, I know nothing about Denmark, and I'm staying in this Birkenstock paradise, getting my shit together so I too can own Birkenstocks and wear them in a summer house by the Nordic Sea. I walk up to a queue. Yes, even Scandinavia has queues. A queue to border control. This is my make or break point. Everyone is standing nicely in line wearing their mouth mask. When suddenly a subtle fish smell enters my aura and I look around a bit, I sniff a little, and wonder if it's just maybe the natural scent of Copenhagen, or if it maybe has anything to do with the combination of my mouth mask and the tuna sandwich that I had before takeoff. And as I'm glancing around, thinking about this nonsense fishy dilemma, the queue moves and I'm up. I was just in time to see the lady behind the desk turn her warm friendly smile into the coldest pair of eyes I've ever seen. And a sudden fear takes over me and even I start to question if I'm allowed to be in Denmark. Did I even land in Denmark? I walk the three meters up to the desk and start to question every action that has led me to this point. Oh god, she must hate Belgians! We're not a very popular people, oh god. I mean, we only have chocolate, waffles, some odd statue of a naked boy and this giant metal atom. So here I am, panicking. Oh god, oh no, oh, I have nothing to offer to this country. They're gonna kick me out, oh god, oh god. And then she asks. Where are you going? Denmark! I said, frighteningly loud. And realizing I'm already in Denmark, I say something else. Copenhagen! I yell while I make an inexplicable hand gesture where I touch my chin for no reason whatsoever. And she frowns at my acceptance letter and for five whole seconds I can feel myself questioning every bone in my body until she asks, what instrument do you play? Piano! I say frantically again. She smiles. I move on. I collect my suitcases and walk out into the open Danish air. Level up. So Followed after was a taxi ride to my place, which was literally two kilometers away. Nonetheless, it didn't stop me from looking open-eyed out the window like a dog. And I realized that this whole traveling alone thingy is actually quite pleasant, apart from the non-danish taxi driver who is now yelling into his phone on speaker to some child that seems to be crying and yelling too. If you filter out those noises, then I was actually having a grand old time in the back of that zigzagging taxi. Some houses looked like they came out of a modern fairy tale of Hans Christian Andersen, and other houses looked like somebody had made them in The Sims, without knowing the cheat code motherlode. Speaking of The Sims, I realise that this language actually kind of sounds like Sim language. The word street is G-A-D-A, which a sane person would pronounce as Gade, but I was not given the memo that Danish is supposed to sound like you're barfing out words, so Gade is actually pronounced. Yeah. So just suck on that for a second. Yeah. It's the sound you make after eating old cookies. Yeah. It's the sound you make when someone tickles your neck. Yeah. It's the sound you make when the dentist asks you how you've been while having his fingers down your throat. Yeah. Here is a sentence in Danish. <inaudible> And here's the sims. (laughs) And just like a sim, I was now being dropped in a house of four strangers of all ages and nationalities. The madness begins. 03. My first evening. Don't leave your window open at night with the lights on. The first big lesson I had to learn in Copenhagen was that from the moment the sun sets and the city gets dark, that's when the moths come out. Ruthless moths who overtake your tiny tiny bedroom and stay on your wall like little brown winged stalkers. And they don't come alone, oh no. Long-legged crane flies, basically giant mosquitoes like to join the party, and fly about your room as if they've just indulged on a bottle of vodka. Drunkenly, they dance around your lamp as the moth stare at them from a distance, occasionally unexpectedly jumping towards you as you try to tenderly approach them with a towel, trying to lovingly escort them back outside. But they misread my intentions. I had to act moth murder. I have Danish insect blood on my hands, and when the battle became too ferocious, I brought out the big guns. The vacuum cleaner brought me solace. I closed my window and imagined the little cries inside the vacuum cleaner's belly of all those fallen soldiers. Poor guys, looking for the light, just like the rest of us. This tune was intersection number seven by Danish jazz musician Soren Soren Kiergaard, I don't know how to pronounce that name, with double bass player Ben Street and American avant garde jazz drummer Andrew Surreal. This last guy has had a pretty impressive resume and discography, playing with and alongside some legendary jazz musicians like Coleman Hawkins, Cecil Taylor, and Bill Frizzell. Do note that this guy is 80 years old. When I'm 80 years old, I'll be glad if I can still be able to load out a dishwasher. Part 4 A Dutch Woman in Copenhagen. Sunday morning. The heat wave was still blasting through the Danish skies, and my pessimistic brain had told me not to pack any shorts, so it was either long trousers or underwear to hit the city. And I chose the first one. Innocent as I was, I put on a mouth mask as I waited for the bus that was to take me to the city centre. I get on the bus, and there's thirty mouth maskless Danes staring at me as if I'm the new fish in their aquarium. I'm wearing a mouth mask, and they're not. In the burning heat of that merciless warm bus, I see the people looking at me, and so after ten minutes, I give in to peer pressure and I take the mask off. They win. Corona may come and get me. Twenty minutes later, I get out of the bus and that fishy smell is back. So it's definitely a thing here. It is not my tuna-enhanced mask this time. It's water. Water everywhere. Beautiful lakes with bright green agua de vida surrounds the city and follows me to the place where I go to pick up my bike. Along the way, I pass by a place called Christiania, a free town. I am puzzled and confused, and I will tell you why in another episode. But it's maybe not the first place that you want to visit on your debut field trip to Copenhagen. Or maybe it is, if you're a big fan of dreadlocks. I walk towards the city centre and notice the beautiful historic buildings, the clean streets, the green trees perfectly aligned with the infrastructure of the city, the grassy parks and the wide bridges over the clear water and the big glass buildings sending sunlight into my eyes. I'm taken away by a feeling of contentment and ease. I am here now and my goal today is to get a bike, nothing more. And then I'm free to move like a little boat on the stream of this Nordic city. Ride or die. When you ride your bike in Copenhagen, you You win or you die. If you think you know terror, think again. If you think you know unity, think again. If you think you know speed, think again. I have been a solid bike rider ever since I went to school, so I know the ropes. I know my way around a busy city. I know the maneuvers and the traps. But Copenhagen, my friends, is something else. Belgium, grab a pen and take notes. These bike lines were commissioned by the Nordic gods themselves, a separate lane for bike riders only, and not a single crack or burst in the asphalt. It's like riding on clouds. And when I enrolled on that highway for people with strong calves, I felt a strong sense of synchronization. Yes, people of the world, this is me being poetic about bike lanes, but I dare you to come to Copenhagen and experience it yourself. Forming a line, we were in each other's wake when we took one bend after another, with the fresh water next to us and the bridges ahead. Aerodynamic helmets unite, gracefully flying through the city. I felt like a synchronized swimmer. I was this close to singing. Now that I've been here for a month, I feel my body being stronger than ever, and I have my fellow Danish anonymous bike friends to thank for that. This steel frame with wheels is my first property in this new city that seems to have so much to offer to me. Ownership is the first step to settling down somewhere. I feel like this bike will be my partner for a lot of days to come. So, we've come to the end of the first episode of Danish and Confused. Thank you for sticking around and hearing my stories on surviving in Copenhagen. There will be much more to come and hopefully some interviews with some very interesting people. But for now, how lovely that among all the other things you could have been doing right now, like scrolling through post-vacation pictures and awful selfies of your uncle on Facebook, and among all the panic about corona and all those awful desperate social media influencers and YouTube videos that tell you how to make a terrarium or how to make banana bread, how to fill the void, among all those things you still choose to listen to my poorly created radio show about the flattest country on earth. All that while you could have chosen to Google pictures of snakes with hands. Yes, that's a thing. But no, you didn't. You're here, so a massive thank you for tuning in. In the following episodes I will continue to talk about strange and typical things about Denland. Denmark. And I leave you with this wonderful composition called "Reform" by a Copenhagen-based group called Den Sorte Skole. This was Danish and Confused. See you in three weeks.